0: Da gonna feel real good, all right? Most dope. Everybody please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey
1: Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We've got a general manager, fam, or at least it looks like it. Is it like official yet? They, yeah. It is official it is, now. It is actually official. Yes. I am up on the news. Uh, so it. let's just get right into it. I guess there's a lot to cover. Quite a bit has happened since our last episode. So let's just get right to it. Uh, let me introduce first the fly by herself, Kelly Henkel.
2: So now that they've fired the mean and evil Gord Murphy, I'm wondering when it's okay to start actually worrying about Ivan Provorov.
3: I mean, haven't we been worried about Ivan Provorov since like the first week of the season?
2: Yes, but Charles, the insiders told us that it was because Gord Murphy was a mean, mean man and now he's gone. So he'll be better, but he's not.
1: Maybe it's just going to take a game. Like, when they fired Stevens and brought in La Violette, didn't they lose, like, their first six? Maybe. And then they got everything figured out. So maybe maybe it's just going to take, like, a week.
2: Okay, I'll give it three games in the glory. All right, glory.
1: that's fair. <laughs> From the com, Charlie O'Connor. Gang, it looks like we've survived the one week long Paul Holmgren part
3: two era without him totally blowing up the team and doing something completely wacky. Now he's back to being team president and back to focusing on keeping the Ed Snyder legacy alive and not on making crazy trades and doing offer sheets and all kinds of Paul holmgren things.
1: Yeah, I really would have hated to see him trade like, I don't know. A guy who's done for a first round pick and a, a contributor, and then flip that first round pick back for two other contributors, and I don't know. I, I Bill, Bill's right. A, Bill's right back in, into big, the into the Paul hole. Sign career. a big free agent from 07 to 2010. He was excellent. The only casualty: Cal Pickert. <laughs> Bye, <laughs> Cal.
2: Bye, Calvin. Oh,
1: Cal. Oh, we hardly do Cal. He did. He did have. He did have like one really good game, and he did have that uh, awesome gritty helmet. So I guess we will miss- was cool, We actually. will miss that. And he did have the uh, "Way She Goes" quote. He did. So we will miss that about Cal. Uh, good luck with, where Where did, who picked him up? Arizona. At, good luck in Arizona,
3: Somehow Calvin. he fit a shutout in between those two <laughs> awful games right before Hexall got fired. Like That God game bless. is just, no one's going to remember because, it oh yeah, they were a total disaster, and then they fired Hexall, but somehow there was a shutout in between those two terrible games was, by Cal Pickard.
1: It was it was Black Friday morning. No one was paying attention. <laughs> there really was food coming. Last but certainly not least just D, Steph Driver.
0: So, I have to ask a question. Nolan Patrick, question mark. Yep. Nine points in 22 games.
1: They need a
0: 2C. Question mark. I don't want to overreact because the whole team has been bad. But, Nolan Patrick?
1: He's invisible. Question mark. He has as many assists as Andrew McDonald's in more than twice the games.
0: I am concerned. <clears throat> it's my, a little weird, right? My, I mean, that being said, he, him falling, well, not falling to the Flyers, but falling into their lap did make my life complete. Like, I will never turn my back on Nolan Patrick, but there is a concern here.
1: My concern is he's going to break out at 24, 25 like Sean Couturier. I'm it. I don't want to wait that long.
0: I'm not that concerned yet. Offensively, I'm
1: concerned because why don't you have more than... Nine points. And why did six of your nine points, nice, come in a seven game stretch and the rest of the games you've done nothing?
3: Yeah, um uh, over the last couple of weeks, I think really since the since they got back from the road trip, he really hasn't done much. And it's it's concerning because at the end of that road trip I, I kinda looked at the team and thought Okay, the first line's figuring it out. The second, you have the second line with Limblom, Patrick, and Voracek. They're looking pretty good. Limblom's playing well. Voracek's starting to pick it up. Patrick's looking good. So you were you were building what seemed like mm-hmm. a, a couple good lines. And really, since he's come back, Patrick has kind of been invisible. And I I wouldn't be as concerned if he was making. Consistently making plays and being impactful, but he hasn't been. And I, I'm not worried about his future potential. I just wouldn't, they, they're going to need to see more from him. But as Steph said, like, there's so many things wrong with this team right now. I'm not saying everybody's been bad, like, top line's been great, but there's so many. He's probably like third or fourth on the list of things I'm concerned about with this team.
1: It's. Uh, yeah, again, I think long-term he'll be fine. I just don't want to wait as long as I did with Sean Couturier to see some, okay, you're more than a 3C. Because uh, uh, if it's win-now time, like I was told, that means your second-line center needs to be better than almost half a point a game. That's, you know, if if that second line was, perform- it was still together and performing the way it was on that trip, and the first line came around the way it did, one, Ron Hextall would probably still have a job, and two, like it would be some actually entertaining hockey. But, oh, wow, yeah, they've got two good lines. That's fun. And JVR came back, so let's see what happens there. Instead, we're looking at, oh, yeah, they're a 1-9 team again. That's good. Yeah. <sighs> Fam, I want to go all the way back to Hextall's press conference on Friday. Uh, he did this thing that really demonstrated his stubbornness. He kept framing the idea of making a deal to help the team in the immediate as I'm not going to add a mid-30s player with term on his deal and talked about giving up assets for an overpaid 35-year-old. Literally nobody wanted you to do that, Ron, and framing it that way is just intellectually dishonest. And I get it because that's my argument style. (laughs) simply simply create a single scenario where you are obviously correct and only argue from that perspective. But that's just not reality here. There are plenty of moderately priced 28- and 29-year-olds who could help both now and in the future, and the lack of any deal for a single player who helped the chances of winning a playoff series uh, was just... Goddamn ridiculous. Like no one said sell the farm and that was another part of well, I don't think we're at the point where we can sell the farm. Nobody said that. And it's this I, I emailed you the guy you guys the uh and I made a joke about it in Charlie's uh opening the list of deals Paul Holmgren made and everything he did from when he got the job, basically '07 and around the deadline to 2010 when they get Billy Leno at the when they're making their playoff push. That right there, the list of deals he made, he helped the team at every turn, basically. He, he moved on from some young guys. But you know what he didn't do? Move Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, JVR, or Claude Giroux. He identified the guys who he thought were going to be cornerstones, held on to them, and then said, all right, now we have a guy named Yoni Pitkinin. We got a guy named Steve Downey that we can probably move on from. And he did those things. There's a... I... I, I I got more angry with Ron Hextall and more frustrated with Ron Hextall's press conference post-firing than I ever did uh, during his tenure because it really showed his unwillingness to move off of his, his, his patience. And I get it. It was necessary in the beginning, but as you're challenging for, you you finish a couple of points out of second, a couple of points out of winning the division last year. And there was nothing you could do. Like your big trade was what Val Philpola a few years ago. And that was a sell move. When you moved Mark Streit and brought back Val Philpola, who is an overpaid 30 plus player with term on his deal. So there you go. The one thing you didn't say you want to do is like one of your big moves, but I, I got more upset over, over uh press conference than anything, but
2: it's see, time to move on now. No, see, I want to fight you, but I don't want to hijack the show. <laughs> no, um, fight fine. him, because he's already hijacked the show. So here's here's my thing, and before they hired Fletcher, I was going to make us talk about this anyway. I actually kind of buy it, and there may have been some hyperbole when we're talking about a 35-year-old with term. Okay, that's probably a bit of an exaggeration. He kept saying mid-30s. I know, but... I transcribed
0: the fucking thing. He actually said 33, 34, 35, like in that yes, order. Mid-30.
2: So here's my thing. Like if you go and all of you listening can do this, go to Wikipedia, look at every transaction that's been, been made in the NHL. Don't go to Wikipedia.
0: Oh, in the NHL. because they don't go to Wikipedia. If no. you want to know what Ron Hextall did, go to no, not that.
2: <laughs> so let's say if we start in October because they weren't in the market for making big trades in the summer because we didn't yet know that they were going to be garbage. So let's say mid-October we start getting nervous and we might want to make a move. None of these moves that have been made are moves that I think would have dramatically improved the Flyers. None of them. Which means that, and you have to remember that like, It takes two people to make a trade. Mm -hmm. He might have been on the phone. You're talking about getting an impact player who's 27-28 for some prospects that we don't really want anymore. I don't see how that would possibly happen. I I mean, it
1: happens every year at the trade deadline. At the trade deadline. And and Hexel actually pointed that
3: out in in his press conference. I forget. I think it was early. He basically said something to the extent of that no one right now, and and I buy this, no one right now is willing to sell players that are playing in the NHL and are good for futures at the the trade deadline yes yes in the offseason yes at this point especially in November everybody still thinks they can make the playoffs so nobody's willing to trade their guys for futures because they still think they can compete now if you want to criticize them for not doing that in the offseason that's fine yeah
1: but I'm talking about his entire tenure I'm talking about especially these last two seasons
2: but the thing the thing is I saw Matt
1: Duchesne get moved they could have done that. They could have picked up a guy. Look at oh, what do we not have? A middle six center. What is he? A one C. It would be real nice to have him behind Couturier so instead of ineffective Nolan Patrick. What they traded
2: him for? Kyle Turris. No. Well, that was well, a, that was, a, it was, a it was a three team three, deal. three team trade. Yeah. Samuel Gerard. I don't know. I just I I think it's and a bit Kyle I think it's a you can definitely say that Hextall could have done more but I do think it's disingenuous to assume that he wasn't trying to do anything and just couldn't get it done because we're like Charlie said at the beginning of the season when no one's selling it getting it done is the job he understood get it done. I, I under, understood I'm not What gonna... were his
1: big signature moves like you didn't okay, we didn't know they were going to be garbage the way they All were right. to start this year, but you didn't know that Christian Folin and Andrew McDonald. There was probably a better player somewhere than those two. Absolutely, you went into the year going. Yeah, these are going to be two of our seven. Well, Let's he go. brings
0: he brought in Christian Folin at a very low salary. Yeah, to be the extra guy to replace Brandon Manning. Now the coach is playing him now. Well, not, not right not now. Not anymore. The coach was playing him. Um, and he was better than McDonald for And a he very was long still period. better than McDonald. <laughs> um, yes, there were definitely things he could have done to go into this season. He didn't think... I mean, the, the the first of which is the question that Charlie actually asked. Like, why did you feel comfortable going into this season with Brian Elliott and yeah. Michael Neuvert?
1: Because this guy with core muscle injuries wasn't going to get hurt again.
0: Well, I, I think in the fantasy
1: point, land if he thought that. I
0: think the point that he made was... F- Fair. I don't think that it was good but I think that it was (laughs) fair you know the point that he made was Brian Elliott doesn't really have a history of injuries and one injury has come from Ryan Howard didn't
1: have a history of injuries but once he tore his Achilles it was like yeah he's never going to be the same again and core muscle surgery on a 33 year old goalie is going to impact his effectiveness and his health for the rest of his career it's nonsense the thing especially from a goalie like Ron Hextall
0: which is why I said it was fair uh, I didn't say it was
1: good. A goalie Like Ron Hextall, who dealt with nagging groin injuries the entire the entirety of his career, he didn't know that this was going to be an issue. That's crazy. I mean,
0: well, abdominal abdominal muscles and groin muscles are different. I, I understand the, the point. They're the only muscles you need to play goal. I understand the point that you're oh. making, but they're
1: different. If he tore his peck, I wouldn't give a shit. That's
3: something you can deal do without. I don't, I don't know why we're relitigating the Ron Hexall tenure.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I did this, but my point, the only point that I really wanted to make, just to put this to bed forever, we criticize Ron Hextall a lot on this show. He did a lot of things wrong, but he did a lot of things right. And there's been this weird smear campaign that seems to be happening with things slowly leaking out of the organization to various sources that hang out in the locker room. But I don't think that I think that it was probably I think he was trying is what I'm trying to say. I bought a lot of Listen, what he said and I and, think- and the, the smear campaigns that are happening on both sides. So Ron
0: Hextall held this press conference, which is not common to happen no, once once a GM has been fired, once anybody has been fired, they don't typically talk to the press. And he had this press conference, I think because he wanted to defend himself yeah. and he wanted to, he said, have closure. Other people are saying control the narrative. I think that it's somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah I
1: mean, that's, yeah. sure.
0: It's I, somewhere in yeah, between. He, he
3: wanted to spend things.
0: He wanted, he wanted. To at least have his side, his side out there, and what we're hearing is is two different sides. The truth is neither one of these things. So yeah. everything that we're hearing from the organization, they absolutely have an agenda to make Ron Hextall look completely incompetent. Ron Hextall absolutely has an agenda to make the organization look incompetent because the man wants another job. Sure. So the truth is neither one of what we're hearing. I- it's got to be some blend. In between.
1: I don't want my frustration with his failings in the immediate to over, like, uh, the things he did to put them in the position that now Chuck Fletcher inheriting quite a set table. Like, yeah. I thank Ron Hextall very much for bringing stability to a, to an organization that has, I mean, for the majority of my fandom, been a shit show. Uh, whether good or bad, it was constantly something. And to just, like, calm it down, create some cap space, go through all the stages that he talked about, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, it, it, his his press conference just really bothered me. But let's move on, because, yes. like Charlie said... Well, and we might
3: get back to the press conference,
1: okay. depending upon how
3: yeah. quickly we get through everything else. let's uh
1: <laughs> let's go let's let's move on because as as the the organization's moved on chuck fletcher gang um charles fletcher what do we think of this higher what uh, I'm, it what do we think what do you guys think
0: they were always gonna go with an established hockey guy he's an established hockey guy Like, I I couldn't imagine Paul Holmgren coming in and being like, well, we're taking another risk, even though Hextall was never a risk. I couldn't imagine that happening. They wanted a hockey guy. They got a hockey guy.
2: Mm, I'm I've decided after this afternoon that I'm just going I'm not going to pass any judgment on this until something happens. There's no reason to. I mean, everything that he did, there's a lot of stuff that he did in the past that I find questionable and worrisome, but he's not done those things here yet, so I'm going to reserve judgment. Okay. Charlie? Uh, my view is that I can...
3: I look at his history, and I look at what he's done and what his tendencies are, and I can see a plausible path to this working out. Yep. And, and that's sort of how I'm looking at it, in that people asked me, for literally from the day that Hextell was fired, who do you want as GM? What's your choice? Give me your opinion. And my thing was that, look... I don't know. It's less that I have an opinion of who I want, and it's more that I just don't want them to hire someone who's an obviously bad choice, Yeah. a.k.a. Dave Dave Nones. So (laughs) basically it was just avoid the obviously bad choices, and the more I looked into Fletcher, the more I decided that he's not an obviously bad choice, and that the things that he didn't do well at in Minnesota really shouldn't be a problem here, at least in the early going. Yeah, yeah, and and that's good, and and that's good, and there's there's and there's, good. there's a lot of things that he he does. Like people have been one thing that's really annoyed me over the last couple of days is everyone who's been obsessing over the idea that Chuck Fletcher is just Paul Holmgren part two. He's Paul Holmgren two and it's like look at what this guy does. He basically what he did in Minnesota is he identified a core, and he stuck with that core, and he refused to trade basically anybody in that core. The only big differences he had from Hextall is that, number one, he was more willing to make trades. And number two, he was way more active at trade deadlines. So, to me, he's more he, hes more Ron Hextall, but just more active in trades. And that, that, like, will that work? I don't know. When you're making trades, you're adding a risk factor to it. Because, quite frankly, no one wins every trade. So, the more moves you make, the more opportunities you have to screw up. But also, the more opportunities you have to do well. So... And and the really bad trades that he's made, for the most part, were all six seven years ago. Most the, really the only trade, the only couple trades you can point to that were not that good recently were the expansion draft things. But again, like we're not going to have to worry about that until 20, well. 2021. So <laughs> yeah. let's let's take one step at a time here. If it looks like he's failing, I bet Homegrown will fire him before then. Good I mean, Hexall got four years. Um, and then the uh, the cap dump trade where he traded uh, Scandella uh, for a couple guys, but that was primarily because he wanted to keep again keep the core guys. So he he made a trade just to kind of clear up some space and whatnot. So the the like the Brent Burns deal that everybody everybody points to, yeah, bad trade happened six years ago. And I'm Brent not that Burns, concerned like, about it.
1: When he traded Brent Burns, it was. 25 year old who'd had one decent season and wasn't Brent burns yet like I mean and it's his and you, it's his job yes, to recognize yes, that you and it was a mistake you, but I'm, I'm just saying that
3: yeah. it's not as if he did it two years ago it's very possible that he's just gotten better as a GM since then and won't make that same mistake if it happened two years ago one year ago I'd be be
1: very very concerned like Brent burns didn't yet have a position like he was just a <laughs> rover uh when he got right. still kind of just not, a rover yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> now they just actually lined him up at defense, but um, I, I don't have this move. Doesn't excite me like I thought. Like yeah. a like a Bill Zito kind of ooh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. W- like that would have been cool. But none of the candidates passed, unless it was like we said, and obviously, oh man, this guy's might be incompetent. Kind of higher. like I, there's nothing in Fletcher's history that makes me go, oh man, he's not going to work out. Yeah, and the table's set for him. It's just my thing is I'm not going to judge anybody because. Man, circumstances are different everywhere. Like yeah. We talk about Homer with the, with, the, uh, with the Briz contract, and we compare it to the Suter and Parise contracts. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, I don't really know how much of that was Fletcher and how much was ownership, because the hometown boys wanted to come home. It was mostly ownership. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's, and that's, the, that's what's going around right now. Is that mm-hmm. was, It was all ownership going, hey, we need to bring the two hometown boys here. Uh, let's give them 13 years. Uh, yeah, those were mistakes. But it's more to me. Like, I just hope that the guys conducting the interviews Listen to the plan. Like I really hope that there was a like good plan in place. Whoever they, I mean, I'm sure
0: they did. Like, but
1: it's not about what they did in the past. It's about what you see from this team and where you think you can take it. Can you say I'm going to build this team into a contender now? And it's not going to be I'm trading everyone to do it. Yeah. Can you identify the guys we need to keep and the guys who are ancillary pieces and move those for some help now? And still have a future because there is that third way to do it, as Charlie said. And I really hope that that's what they found.
2: Yeah, he said some good things on the call that I'm assuming Charlie was on this afternoon. He said some things that, you know, interested me a little bit. Most specifically, the thing that he said that he's going to look inside for pieces and solutions before he starts looking outside, which is good because I, I do strongly believe that we have the answers to a lot of the problems on this team in the organization already, or at least we can give them a try or before at least some we guys, go outside. I believe
1: some guys deserve a shot. Yeah. until they figure out right. something else. Like figure that out now, and in February, whether we're in it or falling apart, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, know. I can't say it. It's okay. At near around the trade mm-hmm. deadline, which I believe is the 25th mm-hmm. of the second month of 2019. <laughs> Figure that stuff out now. So, yeah. okay, no, we do really need a center because Wheel and Vorobiev and whoever else we're going to try until then aren't going to get it right. done. Like, okay, cool. Let's figure that stuff out in these next few months. I have a question. Maybe you can answer it, Charlie. We heard about Fletcher right away. He was like the odds on favorite from the minute they fired Hextall. Yeah. And we heard that they had Zito come in for an interview. Yeah. Did they talk to anybody else?
3: So. I've have, I have not been able to confirm that they actually interviewed Nonis. I know that they asked for permission mm-hmm. to interview him. So, like, if he asked for permission to interview him, you would think they did interview him. I don't know for sure they did or they didn't. But they definitely interviewed Zia. They obviously interviewed Fletcher. This was, in all honesty, like, the more the more I heard... It just seemed like it was kind of a foregone conclusion that they were going to hire Fletcher, guy. unless he bombed the interview, or unless Zito just blew them the hell away when he when they talked to him. Because they just seemed to zero in on him from the start. I think they were, I think they had him as and, and the candidate they were looking for before they even fired Hextall was mm-hmm. just that, you know, this is probably the guy. The impression I get is that Holmgren would have kind of been okay with just hiring him the same day he fired Hextall mm-hmm. and. Dave Scott and Comcast is like, no, you have to actually search. We
1: have to have an interview. Yeah, we have to
3: actually look around. You can't just bring this guy in immediately. Like, I don't know if that was, if they were being honest and basically saying, like, no, we need to see if he's actually the right guy, or if it was more, you know, just from a perception standpoint, you can't just hire this guy the same day you fire Ron. But regardless, they have the week long thing, but it it was never, it it always seemed like it was going to be Fletcher, Mm -hmm. which is why, like, just from my standpoint my original plan was i was going to do a, a an article on everybody and by i guess i by the by The evening on Wednesday, I had pivoted to, okay, tomorrow I'm just researching Fletcher because Mm -hmm. it's almost certainly going to be him.
1: That's because they talked to Fletcher, and then it seemed, okay, yeah, we're not even going to Pittsburgh. Everyone's staying. I don't know how often they actually make the trips, but it's like, we're going to talk to Zito, and I was like, oh, okay, so this thing's actually moving along, and then I'm waiting for more candidates to be named, and it's just like, yeah, it's Fletcher. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Kelly... You talked to Tony Abbott from Hockey mm-hmm. Wilderness today. Did you learn? I did. What did you uh, take away from that? So you can listen to the whole interview on our podcast feed and at broadstreethockey.com, can. But give us uh, give us the the outline. So one you of like the, that plug stuff.
0: I did. I like it. it. Was Thank very you. professional.
2: <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing that I took away from it that the thing that he emphasized as. Maybe one of his biggest weaknesses is cap management. Oh, fun. Which scares me a bit because. Because Dave Scott wants to spend for the cap. So here's the thing. So obviously, so he's been given pretty much a perfect situation for a GM to walk into. He's got assets. He's got cap space. He's got a team on paper that's pretty good. How is he going to make it better? And also, he is a guy that swings for the fences at pretty much every trade deadline, and the reason that he was doing it, as Charlie was saying, is that he identified this core, that core had a window, and he was going to push hard for them to make something happen in that window every single year. That's cool. Okay.
1: That's the thing I liked when uh, Tony said, you know, when you give out those big contracts, yeah, it's not like, oh yeah, let's wait till next year. No. Like, that's saying
2: we're in it to win it when you hand out those contracts. Yeah, and the the thing is, like, the thing that worries me a little bit is that he never really hit in one of these deadline moves like there was never one that really made a difference and the other thing that I thought was interesting is I asked him first if when Fletcher was fired it was sort of like a sense of relief from the fan base kind of like I think when Holmgren went for us it was kind of like oh god okay great thank god this madness is over or if they were a little upset by the firing and his thought was that it was for the most part people were just kind of ready to move on from the Fletcher era. Um, Other than that I mean yeah it it made me feel a little bit better about not judging everything that he did in Minnesota and just assuming that he's going to do it here because Tony also made the point that The way that the Flyers are set up now, they're a team built in a completely different way from the way that Minnesota was built. We have a more complete core. We have a better prospect pool. So he may not have to make those big swinging moves to try to fill holes because we're a little bit more equipped to, you know, fill all of that in from the inside, which is good. So yeah, I mean, it was an interesting talk. It was nice to hear from somebody who's you know had to deal with Chuck Fletcher for a really long time and hear what they had to say about it. So yeah, check it out. If
3: you so want. so I'll I'll say something, and I I completely agree with the trade deadline thing. Like yeah. he he tends to make trades at trade deadlines, and they really have never quite worked. Yeah. Like, the Jason Pommelville one, which was, again, a long time ago, so I, I placed less emphasis on on moves made a while ago. That was the only one that kind of Yeah, worked, that was
2: kind of the best one, yeah. But,
3: it, because then they signed him afterwards, so it wasn't like they were just getting a rental, they got a good player with the sign, but then they ended up having to trade him in the cap dump, so was it, it was okay, I guess, but it wasn't great. Yeah. I'm not sure I totally agree with the with the cap mismanagement thing, though, because, like... I look at the contracts he signed a lot of these core guys to and they to me they look like good deals. They mm-hmm. don't look like bad deals. I mean maybe maybe the criticism you could have is that maybe you should have traded one of those guys away because there's only so many guys you can sign. but like, he had the, the Parisi contracts. and you know I hear people talk about them as, as obviously bad. Ryan Suter, that's not a bad contract. Ryan Suter is a legit number one defenseman who plays almost 30 minutes a night and will probably retire before the bad years kick in, so who gives a shit? Like The Parise deal is not that good because he's hurt all the time, so that I buy, but I don't know if those moves are these obviously awful moves the way they're set up, especially Suter. Parise, okay, he's he's probably not that good to be worth seven plus mil a year, but I don't... I don't know. I don't see, like, the cap situation being awful because I look at guys like, you know, Jason Zucker's an amazing 5-on-5 guy. Nieder is a really good 5-on-5 five guy. Like, I, I don't look at the Charlie Coyle contract as good. You know, maybe you have to make a decision based on, you know, okay, who can you let go? And maybe he wasn't equipped to do that because he was just too emotionally tied to the guys he had. But I don't look at his contracts... And say, man, I see a lot of bad contracts there. Like there, are, there are some GMs that give out bad contracts. Yeah. I don't see a lot of bad contracts given out by, uh, you know, by Fletcher. So it's not something I'm super concerned about. And that's a big deal for me because like everybody talks about the Flyers have to have to make moves. This guy's going to make moves, and not to say that's not important. It's going to be important. You can't screw up on those moves. But in my mind, the most important thing that, that Fletcher is going to do as GM is answer the question of how are we going to sign Ivan Provorov. What are we going to sign Travis Konechny to? What about Travis Sanheim? What about Oscar Lindblom? Like those are the those are the decisions that are going to make or break his tenure, and maybe not just his tenure, but they're going to make or break the next ten years of the Flyers. Mm-hmm. So I want to be confident that the guy they were getting could do that well, and I think for the most part Fletcher did that well, locking up his his young twenties core for the rest of their twenties. So that made me feel good about it.
1: I, I am interested because the Suitor thing. Uh, you're right about that. I do wonder about the cap recapture issue if he were to retire early, just because it is one of those, uh, you know, Pronger. Yeah, post, I, uh, I am. I am convinced that the NHL contract.
3: is going to kill is going to to remove that rule before okay. it kicks in for anyone. I'm right. convinced of it because
1: because it's going to happen to Shea Weber, and they don't want to exactly ban- they don't <laughs> want to bankrupt the Nashville Predators. Exactly. Over- <laughs> I, I, I am convinced that that's going to be a yeah. This rule is a bad idea. We're just going to kill it. That's uh yeah I am okay so Charlie you ask an interesting question here What does your ideal GM do Like what do what is the thing we want out of Chuck like how can he immediately endear himself to us Mm. Other than fire the coach, okay, well that, <laughs> which a, is clearly not happening. that's, so that's, what, have, that's yeah. definitely what the fans. want. Now that we brought that up, <laughs> quick settle pivot. Into it, yeah. What's up with this? Uh, what's up with this Rick Wilson hire? Is that like an official thing? Yeah. It's pretty close to official. Is, I, I my guess is they might
3: announce that so as soon as tomorrow.
2: Don't coaches usually pick their own assistants?
3: This is a weird Hackstall situation.
2: Paxdal has never been no. granted that freedom, so he doesn't really know what he's missing.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: It's just weird to me that they keep picking his assistants for him yeah like okay you got <laughs> it, is, it is kind of weird it's weird right you got do rid- we feel bad for dave no it's
0: one of those things mm, where i'm not,
1: not i'm not here to start the dave hackstall sympathy train but it is one of those things like, all right, we're evaluating what you do, and we're not going to equip you with yeah. what you want. We're going to give you what we think you need. I don't know. It's That's weird. one of the things they said they talked to Dave about was his staff. Uh, that was a quote I read, I think, in Rob Parent's piece uh, Somewhere. earlier this yeah. week. Yeah. And, or late last week, whenever it was. And maybe he was like, oh, yeah, I would like that guy. That is a good hire. Get rid of this big meanie. Um, what the hell? I. Gord Murphy. Gord Murphy, Gord Murphy, yeah, Gord. Uh, <laughs> maybe that is something he wanted. I don't know, it, it,
3: but it, it, I think it was
1: okay. So I, it, I find it odd that we're still going down this Le Perriere. Oh yeah, no, you're stuck with the you're stuck with brain damage, man. Yeah, like, it's, I, it's I, extremely that's weird. Probably rude of me to say. Um, but I mean, like, you're here because you blocked shots with your face. Yeah, that's the only reason you still have a job. Yeah. Um. But what what do we want to see the GM do right away? Immediately day one, which will be Wednesday is the press conference we're thinking. Yeah, the press Wednesday, conference yeah. is Wednesday,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. I
2: think I think one thing that I would like to see sooner rather than later is we kind of all figured out pretty quickly that Ron would only bring up AHL call-ups in the event of an injury. That was the only time these kids got a shot. It would be nice if, if, as you said... If we're going to try to fill in holes from the inside, we give some of these kids a look without there having to be an injury. Like, maybe we sit Andy McDonald down for a couple of games and see what Phil can do just to see. If it goes poorly, you send him right back down. I would like to see that kind of thing start happening, but I don't know if it will.
3: I don't know. One thing that I think is going to be a real... A real, I guess, measuring stick for me when it comes to to Fletcher is how he deals with the Wayne Simmons situation, mm. because Oof. that's that's a tough one, and I want to see how he addresses it because that's something that needs to be addressed soon. Yeah, uh, maybe not immediately, but definitely in the next month or so, because if you, it it became very clear in that Hextall press conference that. Under Ron Hextall, Wayne Simmons was not going to be a Flyer next year. It just wasn't going to happen because if it was just if they if their if their disconnect was just term, I was thinking they might be able to figure it out. But Hextall made it clear they were they were apart on term and they were apart on dollars as well. So there was no freaking way that Hextall was bringing Simmons back. It was going to be a matter of whether he got traded the trade deadline or if they just ran within the rest of the year and said "see you later, Wayne. Thanks, thanks thank you for your service." So. Hexdal was not going to bring this guy back. Fletcher's new. What's Fletcher going to think about Wayne Simmons? Is Fletcher going to be be swayed? Because I, I I love Wayne Simmons. I don't think they should resign him. No. I wonder if Fletcher will be swayed by the the Holmgren contingent, who I suspect does want to bring Simmons back because he's such a flyer. And I'd like to see Fletcher basically be like, you know, one thing I like about Fletcher is that I think he's open to analytics. I know the analytics yeah, are going to tell him. Is. is are going to tell him don't re-sign Wayne Simmons to what he wants and I want him to basically be able to go to Holmgren and just say I don't think we should bring this guy back and be willing to maybe take some of the criticism that someone like Holmgren will have because he's mad that they don't have a guy who can start a fight two minutes into a game to salvage a game but it's just not smart to sign Wayne Simmons to a five six-year deal the deal that That he wants and and I'd like to see Fletcher have the guts to stand up to the people in the organization that will want to bring him back on an overpay
1: that fight with Alexi my highlight of the season. Oh my come god! It oh was, was it was like it was like that was amazing.
0: It was useless. No, it wasn't. It well, was. Yeah, yeah. But were they gonna, could they have won anyway? Without, Probably not. It's a lifeless, I just, dead team with nothing.
1: This team has I, no I. I'm sorry. This team has no guts.
0: Oh, they
1: come out and just let Toronto roll all over them. So
0: here's the thing with what with what Charlie just said. This guy Ron Hextall was just fired. For having a backbone and standing up to the organization. Like, the next guy is not going to come in and do the same thing. Well,
1: he was fired because they were losing.
0: Yes. If they
1: yeah. were going to win, none of that would matter. I, I, the, I, I, cared, I do agree with that. If yeah. people cared about the team, like, went my, to the my, games... Mine's det- a
0: tentative agree. Like, I agree. It wouldn't have happened right away, but the, the tensions were still there. Yeah, sure, yeah, they
1: were. but if the team was profitable like they used to be, no one would have no given machine. a chance. Well, yeah.
0: you know, I have heard... And this is something that I actually have heard for months, and it's that the organization, not not upper management, but the different divisions, like the people who are responsible for crowd engagement, the people that are responsible for selling tickets, the people that are responsible for the butts in the seats having a good time have been flagging, like, hey, fans are not happy. This is a problem. Like, hello, our season ticket holder age is not decreasing, and these people are going to die soon. Like, this is a problem. And Hextall just couldn't care less. That's something that I, I think is is
2: pretty well known yeah it seemed pretty clear that he didn't give a single shit about fans didn't care like he was
0: very focused on the hockey which is not bad but you need the next guy to come in and at least give a shit about the fans
2: i mean i am to charlie's point kind of glad that the person that's going to be making the wayne simmons decision is kind of like a dispassionate disconnected party who has really no investment in wayne simmons or this team at this that. point well so he he's did. just going to evaluate it from the outside hopefully he did work make make for right clarky
1: in the 90s well <laughs> <laughs> never forget that one year clark was the gm in florida he was like bill i agree with
3: you that i think wayne simmons's fight was a big reason why that game didn't get out of hand that game could have easily turned into the toronto game where they just roll over and die and i think simmons fighting a guy who's Got what 70, like seven, 70 pounds yeah. on him and five inches, and even though he didn't win, it was like man, that, 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 that guy. He did that better than Talbot, yeah, right. <laughs> but at the same time, like that's what I'm talking about is that oh no, you, you is, can't is, bring is, him back. Is for that, that you watch those you watch those games, those plays, and 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 the the visceral fee, you know feeling side. Of you, we got to bring Wayne Simmons back, and I'd like to see Fletcher take a you know, take the dispassionate look and say, yeah, that's awesome, and yeah, he might do that once or twice a year, but what's he doing the other 80 games when he's a drag at 5-on-5 five five at age 34?
1: Oh yeah, no, at this point, as someone who loves Wayne Simmons and loves fighting, um, he's not on the first power play unit. His line is useless all year. He hasn't done anything at 5-on-5 five five, like Charlie said. Um, he's made like three nice plays. Unless he wants to get paid like a third-line winger who scores now 20 goals maybe, um, you can't do it. Yeah, and you if can't they do it, and I love Wayne Simmons,
2: and if they were far apart on term and money, that tells me that, that he wants a long contract. he wants a lot. He wants a which is fine. He, he deserves, deserves Not it. here. He was the best bargain in hockey for six yeah. years. He wants to get paid. Yeah, get and, your
1: money. And I, I, I can't fault him. If anyone has ever deserved to be paid for past accomplishments, it's him. But I don't want to be the team that gives no. it to him. Somebody else. Yeah, also. let Edmonton sign him to that contract. That's that's wonderful. I'd, he might help them a little bit, actually. He Might.
3: I'd, I'd also I'd like to see i like to see. Fletcher make a trade. I don't. I don't want him to make five, but I'd like to see him make a trade involving a prospect and/or a pick for either a goalie or a defenseman. Okay. And. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I want him to trade Carter Hart or Phil Myers or Morgan Frost, but, like... Oh, what, good, but like because what, the
0: people would revolt.
3: But, like, well, would they? I don't know. Some people over would. Over Carter Hart? Oh, well, over Carter Hart, sure. But, like, if he were to trade Morgan Frost or somebody, I don't know. No, the, 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 I'd be the, pretty... The, the prospect people would be, would be livid, yeah. but the, like, do-something-wrong people would probably yeah. be pretty darn happy.
1: It
2: depends on return. That's true. I mean, you know. Because, like... <laughs> Who are you getting in the goalie market right now? I guess you could probably get Bobrovsky, but that's a rental, and then you got to no, sign. No, I, I,
1: I wouldn't go for
3: Bobrovsky. No, that doesn't make any sense. And for Columbus is and too old. Yeah, yeah. And Columbus, I don't think Columbus is going to sell. I think they're just going to roll with it. Right right yeah, yeah. yeah. Roll. But I'd like to see him make a move. Um, you know, f- including maybe like a B prospect or or hey, you know what, a roster player too. Like I don't, I I don't want to see Travis Sanheim get moved or obviously any of the big guys. But like. I'd like to see something happen, and I'd like to get that confidence. I, I want to see something happen, and I want to see him win the trade. Yeah, and if he if he wins his first trade, I'm gonna feel a lot better about Chuck Fletcher.
1: And like as much as I don't like to. To get something, you have to give something. Do I want to see a Travis Sanheim traded? No. But if I get a center who is good and only two or three... Do I want a 30-year-old? No. But if he's only two or three years older than Sanheim, I'm very, very open to it. Again, I want to see Sanheim blossom and become the guy I thought he could be when Hextall drafted him with his first pick in 2014. But you got to improve the team at some point. I, I want to see this team be good, and I don't want to move everybody. If it's just going to take one or two guys, I'm open to anything at this point, and that's what, to me, the ideal GM will do, to get back to my question from 20 minutes ago, <laughs> is... I just want to see the plan. I just want to see you identified, okay, Frost, Hart, whoever else. These are our core pieces who are going nowhere. These are our Carter, JVR, Drew, Richards guys. Funny how that all ended up. But at that time, in that time frame when those guys were the untouchables and you moved on from other pieces and other assets, Like I want to see him identify those guys and then move other ones to improve I, the team now.
0: I mean... Do you want him to tell you who the untouchable guys are? Because no. that puts no, the organization no, no, at, at an extreme no, I just disadvantage. Want to him do it like when he I, makes I, I would assume that every GM does that.
1: I don't know. It seemed as if everyone was untouchable to Ron Hexdolz. And yeah. that can't be the case. That's, totally that that's is more a what fair I'm point. saying. Not so much tell me, I'm not going to trade Sandheim, but I am going to trade Myers. No, I don't want you to say that. I just want you to, like, make a move that tells me you're willing to do something other than nothing.
3: And eventually your actions are going are gonna to tell everyone yeah. who yeah. you think the untouchables are because of the guys that just aren't going anywhere as you're moving, you know, Phil Other Myers pieces or Robert Haig or whatever.
1: I want to get to the on-ice product real fast because as Steph pointed out when this all went down, yes, firing Ron Hextall, maybe it was necessary, maybe it wasn't. It seems as if the situation in the front office was untenable. However, it does very little in the immediate for the on-ice product, which has mm-hmm. been subpar to say the least. That game against Pittsburgh was a nice first step. I've said that three times this year. Let's see if they take step number two. Yeah. Well, um, Charlie, did you notice a difference in the locker room between Ottawa and Pittsburgh? And I don't just mean because obviously when they beat the Pens, everyone's going to be happy. It's the freaking Pens. But like at practice or after. Yeah, get those like,
0: guys. Yeah, yeah.
1: At practice or anything, did you see a change in the locker room since they moved on from Hextall? Obviously, the Ottawa game, everyone was down. Like I did sounds from the locker room, and everyone talked like this. <laughs> it was okay, yeah, we didn't win and blew it. But have you seen anything since then to make you think, sigh, sigh of relief relief, anything? So I don't... I, I'll say that... In the wake of the
3: Hextall firing, it's not as if the vibe in the locker room was, oh, great, the big bad man is gone. Yeah. Like, they were, they were shell-shocked. And I don't know if they were shell-shocked even because they necessarily loved Ron, but they were just shell-shocked that something they didn't expect to see happen, happen, and that... Through everybody's status into question. So in the immediate aftermath, no. No, this was not a happy team. This was a what-the-hell-is-going-on team. And then when they had the the, the mass firings and roster moves on Wednesday, it was just more of that vibe. It was what-the-hell-is-going-on. Jake, Jake, Vor- Jake Voracek basically was like, well, I'm here for as long as I'm here. If they decide to trade me, I guess they're going to trade me. But if they don't, I'm going to work my ass off and make this team a better team as I best really, I can.
1: I really enjoy that because a few years ago when Jake had signed the extension, but it hadn't kicked in yet, like someone was talking shit on him on Twitter and he actually like replied with what his real cap hit was because he doesn't make (laughs) he he wasn't making sassy on Twitter. He wasn't making the eight mil at the time and then like, you know, the next season he would be. Right. But then, in the aftermath of all this, he goes, Well, I'm the only one without the no trade. Like, of the, you know, because <laughs> Simmons has the partial and Drew has the no move. Yep. And he was like, I'm the one without the no trade. So I love that he knows that shit. That, oh, yeah. Of course it is. That he tickles does. me. Of course it is. But
0: so, so it to, tickles me. So yeah. to
1: continue, yeah, that was, that was not good.
3: The vibe in that locker room was not good. That being said, the vibe in the locker room after the Pittsburgh game was was great. I mean, they were they were happy, they were loose. Jordan Wheel was fake interviewing Dale Weiss. Like, that was so, what I like had. they they were a happy bunch and I don't like I guess with all the stuff that's come out it's easy to just sort of paint this as they're happy Ron's gone I just think they're happy that like something finally went right for them yeah mm-hmm. and, it, and it went it, it happened in a game against a team that they clearly don't like they scored and that just on, made it even better they scored on
1: two breakaways which is like Dale Weeks <laughs> Dale is now two for two
0: on breakaways I, I do unbelievable he is the, the first shorthanded goal for the Flyers of the 2018-19 season am, was Dale frickin'
1: I am personally very Dutch much Gretzky baby I am very I am personally very much looking forward to shoot out Hero Dale with me now.
3: He's two for two on breakaways. But like cuz the thing with Hextall is you know, these players these players may not have appreciated some of the micromanaging that Hextall did. I, I don't doubt that, you know, with the the whole thing with the food and the fitness and everything. I'm sure that 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 probably rubbed some if not all of them the wrong way. But no it
0: was, pizza boys. But it was, that always pisses me off. But
3: it was sort of a I felt like in some ways it almost was a trade off. Like, yeah, we have to deal with all this crap, but at least we don't have to worry about this guy trading us. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, well, we might things might get loosened up a little bit, but now I have to worry that like one day this new guy is just going to decide I'm going to ship him out for draft picks. Good. Well, I'm just saying, but like that was there was probably that tra- that internal trade off in their heads that yeah, this might not be like the most fun environment, but I don't have to worry about getting moved. Let's talk now they about, have to worry about getting moved, so it's just adds unser- uncertainty to the game.
1: Let's talk about. This. That for a minute, this painting Ron Hextall with the dictator brush that has since come out. I remember when, you know, all those years ago, when a guy named Chip Kelly was here, we knew immediately how he was that microman. No, you're wearing a sleep monitor. Like, we knew (laughs) that. We knew that when they were handed out. Like, I get that maybe that's the way it was with Ron, but. It didn't come out like I don't I, I know we talked about this a little. I just have a little bit of an issue with Same. now painting him. Maybe he was a total dick, but I guess I like I, I should have heard more about
2: it at the time. Exa- yeah. Yes. I mean, I I know that he was super tight lipped and, you know, kept everything buttoned up. But we would have heard something about him being a psychotic asshole if he was, in fact, a psychotic. asshole. And,
0: and nobody was under the impression that he was warm. That, no, he
2: was obviously a very like cold business like guy. Like he,
0: he was definitely like he was always a little bit of an asshole, but he was an endearing little bit yeah. of an asshole. Like well, we liked like how, a robot. We liked how at the draft he went up, didn't thank anybody, didn't congratulate the Stanley Cup winners, just was all business. Like we liked that.
3: So the point I'll make is that he clearly rubbed a lot of people in the organization the wrong way because whether what? whether you believe these stories or not the fact that they were they are coming out proves that there's, a lot of people freaking hate it. There's yeah, but here's somebody the thi- with something to
1: say.
2: Like here's the thing. Like if if they're all pissed off because like Shell Samuelson wasn't allowed to go party in the locker room post game and all the alumni used to be able to have fun with the boys like they used to. Like I don't give a shit if that pisses them off, Good honestly. Pull with Shell, I know. I like that. <laughs> like I, I just don't I don't care. And if that's the thing that was pissing them off,
3: that's not super important to me. I I, I get that. And I do think a big part of this was Pre-Hextall, the Flyers were—they went so far and beyond every other organization in hockey to be super great to the alums, yeah—and to create this feeling of you know camaraderie in the front office and everybody's opinion mattered. And Ron came in and he changed things, and things feel worse when you've had it one yeah. way to such a degree, and then a guy comes in and changes things, and even if what you're changing isn't that much different, like maybe. Maybe the, the, the normal, whatever this was, the normal the average in the NHL is like a 6. And before, the Flyers were a 10. And Ron moved it to a 4. Like, okay, was he a micromanager in comparison to the other NHL teams? Probably. Yeah, he probably was even in comparison to them. But it felt even worse than it was because everybody kind of had free reign before. And then he comes in and changes everything. And it's, it, you brought up Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's a great, a great comparison because the first year Chip Kelly did all that shit... Everybody loved it. Yeah. You know why? Ten and six won the division. Because they were winning. Yeah. The minute you start, if, if you're going to come in and change things and change things that people will get annoyed by, you damn well better win. Because the minute you start losing, everybody's going to get pissed off. They're going to be like, we're doing all this, all this extra shit and it's not producing results. Man, this is annoying.
2: But you have to assume that when they brought Ron on, they knew what his plan I don't th- was. I don't think they knew it was to this degree. Oh, really? Okay. No. I just have a really hard time with I I mean,
0: they have a reason to talk shit on him now. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They have a reason. Like when people get fired, everybody talks shit on them immediately. Or if like in an office, somebody puts in their two weeks notice, nobody talks to them for those two weeks because nobody wants to be associated with the person that left. There's a reason. There's a reason that all of these things are coming out right now, and it's because nobody wants to be associated with whatever rotten food
2: they believe made up Ron Hextall's soul. I just don't. I just don't like it. It seems unnecessary to me. It is you can, unnecessary. You can move on from the guy without having to drag his name through the mud, regardless of what he did. Like, be a, yeah, uh, it just strikes me as unprofessional. Like, you don't uh, have across to be- the board, which is why nobody is on record really saying these things. Well, yeah.
0: Nobody is on record because then it makes them look like the asshole. Right.
2: I mean, that's just what it is. What were we talking about? I don't know. Okay, good. Uh, we were talking. You were talking about Ron being a terrible man, if it was true or not. Yeah,
1: no, it's. Uh, there's definitely truth to
3: it. Like some, I'm sure. terrible man. Well, no, no, okay, not terrible <laughs> yeah, man. But like, yeah, yeah. But like being a micromanaging taskmaster, <laughs> like. Everything that Ron brought up interesting enough if you go back to the transcript of his of his exit interview press conference he would bring up you know I don't know what this what this food thing was this is ridiculous and he then he would spend dietitian. and then he would spend the rest of the answer explaining that he did exactly that like it was it was less that he was denying what he did and it was more that he was positioning it in a way that didn't make him look as bad so there's there's truth to pretty much all of this stuff it's just a matter of how you position it and how you know, if you position it as a positive or a negative Ron didn't deny that he had a dietitian, Ron didn't deny that he kept the alumni out, but he positioned it as I thought, like I was doing what was best for the team, whereas and the alumni and the other people in the front office probably were like, "No, this is bullshit. The alumni should be treated great. I should be involved in decisions." And Ron was probably thinking, "You, you know, the rest of the organization beyond me and Chris Pryor and maybe Dean Lombardi, you, you guys have more leaks than than like the worst plumbing in the world. So I'm not going to tell you shit because it's going to get out immediately."
1: I love the alumni thing just cuz like thinking back to the Holmgren tenure you get to go like oh yeah Eric Lindros got to practice with the team and when he was there Holmgren tried to talk him out of retirement (laughs) hey (laughs) you want to play some D we could really use a big guy I bet you he'd
0: be a good puck moving D Like, I, like that shit is funny to me but me I'm, it, I'm gonna you know how he asked think, you you, can't, you don't bring your four buddies to work I'm gonna start bringing Missy to that, podcast like, with I me do, I've, I've done it before you done that before I've done that it before I'm gonna to start that. doing it there some is. more there is something to that you're at work if dude. it was a
1: regular but like it's not a regular job I know if it's a regular thing no but if it was just like hey my buddies are in town I want to show them the practice facility and shit like maybe clear
0: it first maybe don't do it while there's a practice Happening? I don't, they're just. Sitting I there. mean, I don't, Do I, I don't hurting, care. I I don't care. No, if these are like, um, your, b- I'm bringing Missy. If you're playing, if, you,
1: if you're LeBron and your entourage is around all the time, well, Let's, that's just something you got to deal with. But yeah.
0: like, you know,
2: I mean, this isn't a regular job. If you had like Frankie and Ava sitting behind you watching this podcast, that would be
0: weird. It would. Be. I would ask them to join us on the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so I've never left.
3: Frankie so one, one thing, I <laughs> one point, I will make, and this is something that I've kind of turned over in my head is. Not not justification for the firing because I think in all honesty, Bill, like you kind of pointed this out in the in the intro, there was more than enough justification to consider moving on from Hexel yeah. just based on his hockey moves or his yeah. lack thereof. So I don't even think this this had to matter. But I do think it's it's interesting to think, you know, one thing that you guys have been you guys have been kind of screaming about for the past year and change is that this team isn't fun. They're not fun. There's nothing fun about watching the Flyers. And I do think that maybe there might be something to the idea of if, if the culture you're creating isn't one of enjoyment with, for the players, then maybe that does bleed over into their play. And their play seems more mechanical because everything is more mechanical.
1: So like maybe there's something to that. Could be. I, I want to move on now. But yes, I agree with that, Charlie. Um, just a question. Phil <laughs> Verone has to be better than Yuri Letera,
3: right? Oh, God, be. you're going on this one.
0: No, no, it's not... I don't even... I didn't know who no, Phil Verone was halfway it's through. Was it, isn't, he, saying, isn't
3: he Phil verone
0: uh, Whatever. It should whatever. be Verone, because it sounds I, I like he works at the pizza whatever. shop on the corner. It's Zecchione. I'm
1: not saying... I'm not saying the dude... Is like a star, and I'm not gonna get on the freaking Jason Atkinson needs to be here bandwagon or anything. I'm just saying, if we're looking for what the Sixers call value in the margins, this seems like an upgrade that you could make.
2: Yes, hey, literally that. anyone on the fan, how of big is To be it? honest, <laughs> and that's the thing is like, G- give
0: me some size.
1: What do we got here? That's one of those, that's one of those, uh. Okay, if the team's
0: going to be fun, this ah, adherence, five ten not big enough.
1: The Sorry. adherence to the adherence to everyone has to fit a specific square peg, you know, in a square hole. Role fourth line has to be a grinder, or you know, the fourth line could be could be good at hockey. Yeah, could have. You know, him and Raffle and, and Lawton are wheel on it, and that would be kind of good. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I'm you, not you saying already, he's a star.
3: You already have Phil Veroni and Jordan Wheel, who isn't playing anyway. So before we're going to scream about bringing up Phil, wh- I mean, I'm, I'd be okay with him bringing up Myers, but not yeah. this
1: Phil. going to scream, Before we're going to scream,
3: scream about this Phil, why don't we scream about Jordan Wheel getting more playing time?
1: Oh, because I they're want, the same guy. I want both They're the same things. guy. I want both of those things. And if they're the same guy, I think having two of them with Michael Raffle in the fourth line, would be good
0: can't, can't be worse well, or, I like Michael raffle or you put
1: Oscar Limlon back in the top nine. Oh well that,
2: that would, that be would also be yeah. good I
3: think and it, then you put the suddenly sort of effective Dale Weiss on the fourth line with Jordan Wheel and Michael Roffle well, I yeah.
2: wonder if there's gonna no come need back for
3: Phil I'd rather
1: a guy who can probably score a goal
2: I think I think maybe Fletcher might bring Nack back up right
1: it could happen. They're, like I just see some value in His the margins, and good. not just with this one specific player. But I just saw some tweets about him, and saw the pace he's on. And no,
0: he he had a really he, good season last year. Yeah, and I just see like I,
1: I there's a lot of guys in this lineup who have no chance of scoring a goal. Like, Yuri Latera closes his eyes, and that's how a goal goes in. Literally. I just think scoring goals. Literally, he said that. To to get back to the, hey, this team's no fun. Scoring goals is fun. I like it. I don't know. I just, not just him specifically, but since he's having the season he's having, it's at least worth considering. It's at least worth a look on a team that is mediocre. Like, why not? Yeah. If you already know what Yori Laterra is, you already know
2: he's gone at the end of the year. I don't know. Oh, let's God. Go. This is it? This is the last year on his contract? Yeah. I mean... Oh, I forgot. Let's see what Chaz does. He says he wants to look inside. Speaking so. of the... Chaz? F- I'm calling him Chaz. We're going like, with Chaz?
1: Speaking right. of the Phantoms, we had some rumors about coaching shakeups. ups uh, not, not firing Dave, but moving some guys around. Scott Gordon, his... uh. His special teams are good. Very good. And Perrier's special teams are bad. Not good. (laughs) Not good. These, uh, and Knobloch as well, because the power play is shit too. I don't want to just single out Mm -hmm. Ian LePerriere because Knobloch seems to be bad at his job too. Um... How come these coaching changes didn't happen? Do we think they were actually in the works? Is this something Dave put the
2: the brakes on? I never fully understood what exactly was going to happen. Were they going to bring Gordon up to be an assistant coach? So
3: it sounds like, based on what Dave Isaac reported on Saturday, it sounds like the preliminary plan was that they were going to move... Knobloch and Lapierre to the AHL. They were going to have Knobloch be AHL head coach. They were going to have Lappy be just AHL assistant, and they were going to move Gordon up to basically be assistant coach, oh, okay, in charge of the penalty kill and stuff. Okay, that was the that seems to have been the plan that was in the works. Which again points to how th- this this implies just how safe Hextall felt he was because the fact that he didn't do the fact that this plan was in the works, but he didn't do it before he got fired, like. This was this is what you do to stave off a firing. Yep. And he apparently didn't feel like it was necessary enough to just race and get it done mm. before he he himself actually got canned. Like if he thought he was really on the hot seat, you would think he would have done this 2 weeks ago when the penalty kill was below below 70%. Instead, he's like, "No, we can we can hold off on doing this and then Byron
1: yeah and that's <laughs> like, like and he acknowledged kind of in his press conference like maybe doing nothing to fix the penalty kill was an issue
2: you like, think uh, and
1: it, it was like that's yeah. a mistake you made and that was in fact like, a mistake that was the, pretty big mistake. the big
0: one like, yeah and I, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess it was a mistake.
1: How do we want to wrap up? Oh, the Festivus party. Do we Plug have our stuff? Do we have? Uh, do we have details in the Festivus party?
0: Well, Festivus is, is December twenty third.
1: Is that all we know so far? It's a
0: Sunday, and the Flyers play at seven p.m. They play the Rangers. We're going to have a party beginning at six o'clock.
1: Do we have a location.
0: It is going to be at Tavern on Broad, all which right. is where we Let's had we our we draft do?
1: party. Tavern on Broad Street Hockey. I love it. Tavern
0: yep. on Broad Street Hockey. I will have more details about you know. Specials and the the charity that we're playing with this year, um, playing like playing nice with. We're not yeah. playing hockey. One or day night, we might. I mean, One day, th- yeah. not this time, <laughs> um, because that's you know what we do on Festivus. There will be some type of airing of grievances. Because hello, <laughs> this is what we do here. I'm
1: going to see Charlie participate in the feats of strength. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can come this year. I'll try. Uh,
0: oh. we, we already designated Craig.
2: Party's not over until somebody pins Craig. Someone's going to have to pin Craig. Right. Yeah.
1: Hinkle, what are we doing on the 20th of this month?
2: So on December 20th, uh, the Flyers' home game against the Predators, we will be joining the fine folks at Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation at their table, which is located on the concourse. And I forget behind which section, but um, we'll be there. Me, Bill, Craig, Steve, we'll be there doing some fun stuff, playing some trivia games, having some little giveaways, um, helping... The Snyder Youth Hockey people get the word out about their really, really worthwhile charity. So if you're going to be at that game on the 20th, come say hi to us.
1: And, of course, if you are not already, subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you find podcasts, your bums, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that shit. Uh, Go there, subscribe, and, of course, give us five stars and write nice words
0: about us. Because you love us, damn it! But only the nice words.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't be mean to us. We're fragile. Thank you for joining us this week. Thanks for hanging out on Facebook Live. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk?